Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll look at the SEC standings and the scenarios for this weekend that could go ahead and lock in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. 6th and Peabody, our location, OutKick 360 rolls on with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Tennessee and Georgia, the matchup this past Saturday, 13 million viewers on average, larger than the deciding game for the World Series. And it's the same average, I believe, for each World Series game over the five we were able to see. So Larger than every World Series game, all six. The most watched World Series game was 12.55 million. Tennessee, Georgia, 13 million. World Series this year, the second least viewed ever since they've been keeping ratings. Only behind the 2020 pandemic neutral site World Series was this year's World Series. Now, Fox and others are arguing there's Astros fatigue. This is the fourth time in seven years that the Astros have been in the World Series. And there's Astro fatigue with that. Let's flip that with this rating success now with Tennessee involved in games with Georgia and Alabama. America is rooting for Tennessee. Newness. In these games, right? We saw it with the Alabama game. That's the second most watched game of the season, regardless of network. And now the most watched is Tennessee, Georgia. Um, People are tired of Bama. They're going to get tired of Georgia soon because Kirby Smart is dominating. He is going to become the next Bama. Yeah, it it's looks a, long, tired it's of a Bama. long way away from Bama. A long but way away. Alabama but. owns three of the top ten rated college football games of the season. I mean, Georgia's in there, too, with theirs. Uh, Tennessee, certainly, with both of them represented. Um, so to say that there's Astros fatigue, well, if there's Bama and Georgia fatigue, people are still tuned into their games. Well, Bama, you know, Bama's comparable to the Yankees or whatever. The the big brand. The big brand is going to draw whether you like it or not. Well, I think Astros, it's a lot of rooting. Astros it's fatigue. And the World Series shouldn't. Astros fatigue is a weak excuse, I think. What's what's the big number, the biggest number for the World Series? Min millions? Twelve point five five was game six. See, that I is by I the way the least that. that's the, the lowest rated game six on record. For any World Series. I heard that and thought it was actually pretty good. So I've, I've recalibrated on my expectations for big baseball, I think. Well, I just, I've rated against itself. I don't rate things against, now, college football versus World Series, that's interesting. That Tennessee, Georgia is more watched than any World Series game. That's bad for baseball. But I'm always looking at baseball versus itself, and the numbers are going down, 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 down. Yeah, I'm not surprised That's not good. that a college football game between one and three or one and two, depending on the poll you do, you look at, outdoes a baseball World Series game that doesn't include a classic team. You know what surprises me? 
Braves Astros had a bigger rating than Phillies Astros. Mm. People want to talk about Northeast market and all that. Braves did better in, in the ratings, much better against the Astros a year ago. More people were watching. That is surprising. I, I, that is surprising. What's the reason for that? There, there's no more national Braves element that, that carries the day. So, I mean, it's a regional team more than Philly. You know, it is a Southeast region that's all – you got a lot of Braves fans all over the Southeast. But that, that part surprised me. And when I say Bama fatigue, I think it's more – people are still going to tune in to watch Bama because they want to see Bama lose a lot of times. If you're fatigued, yeah. you're rooting against Bama, but you're still watching. People are watching Bama LSU for the same reason. And that's the way I think of the Astros. Yeah, I if think, there's fatigue, I you think just Tennessee see them lose. overall, yes, they are the common denominator of the top two most watched games of the year, but it's against Bama and Georgia, the two teams that happen to be annual rivals of Tennessee – that played for a national championship against each other a year ago. So that part of it makes sense. I think more than anything, let's see the college football playoff ratings. If a Tennessee or some other outsider that's drawing some interest gets in, and then compare that. It may not be any better. It may be worse. It may be a lot, but I don't know. But that's really the true marker if people are truly fatigued. Bama's not going to be in it this year in the college football playoff. So does that rating tick up? Without Bama, would, or does it go bet, down? Yes. Uh, not a Cincinnati, a team no, from a power conference. I don't think it has anything to do with Bama. Bama being in or out if the rating's going to tick up. I think the game needs to be competitive. And the college football playoff semis have been yawn fests in the second half. Annually. And it's yeah. because of Georgia and Alabama or, or Oklahoma or whoever you want to throw in the mix there whenever they're in and they're top. Um, you know, Clemson, they're winning. But, you know... Bama in the mix with a three-team SEC showing this year would still be a very competitive playoff. Well, like it's it's not, also very regional. It's not unwatchable because Alabama is a part of it. I, I think regional. it would go up. Here, here's my thing about um, about the Bama. I mean, about the Tennessee Georgia game is I'm just surprised the rating would sustain because that game's yeah. over third quarter. A lot of people would be bailing in my estimation. Well, you could tell Georgia with the, just their play calling, Chad, offensively. They, they're yeah, just the rain, running the clock. the rain started coming down, too, and I think it's, it, uh, it affected old. both teams' play calling a little bit. But, yeah, Georgia was content to run the ball, run clock, up 24-6 at halftime. So, first half, I could see it being big. Yeah, but I'm they, surprised people don't bail. And I think that is more of a, I plan my Saturday afternoon to sit in front of the TV, and I, I'm, yeah. I've got nothing else to do or go to. It's just, it's football. I mean, NFL and do. college football is one and two of American pastimes. That's what right we do now. It's 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 the thing. Um, I mean, I you know those those baseball numbers are somewhat alarming, but with the right matchup that probably doesn't feature the Astros a year from now, it could go right back I up. I mean, if it's Yankees Dodgers, how good is it? Do we think? How much better is it? Just not, I'm not being a pompous Yankees fan there. I'm asking. I don't know. Major market, because Paul, major classic. It's better than the second lowest ever. Based on the media cycle from How the Northeast, million? I would assume the Phillies would have better ratings than the Braves nationally. But that wasn't the case. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's a good question. Is it three million more? Well, there's certainly more intrigue in the pitch-by-pitch -pitch scenarios of the series. I don't think people really got into it in that regard this year. I know you tuned in whenever you would check in on it. Yeah. 
So it's I, just a different I'm an outlier on this because I, I was into it because of my wife. So, uh, but would I have been into it without? No. You know who I'm into? Framber Valdez. When can that guy be a free agent and can the Yankees go bid on him? You need to worry about your own free agent, Aaron Judge. Let's, let's, <clears> let's worry about that guy first. Let's get him in the fold. That's going to happen, right? He's a Yankee. I presume so. <laughs> but I, 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 you I seem mean, to I, have a very, uh, like, uh, I'm surprised by your lukewarm opinion. You're not, you don't care really one way or the other. It's almost like I, you've resigned yourself. You think we've seen the best of him. To, to support either decision. I, I think we've seen the best of him, and I'm not wild about these back ends of these contracts. And so if you have to sign him for seven years and the last three of those years are crap years, if they would do the right thing with that money, if they could tie into the Dominican like the Astros have done and bring me or uh, Venezuelans, like three the Dominicans and a Cuban guy who are going to carry my roster just inexpensively. Anyone. Just put that on the list. Just any of them. I don't know. They're do- <laughs> right, I, give me a middle want, infielder. I want Framber Valdez. I don't care. Just somebody. <laughs> if they can bring me a Framber Valdez at, at, at a, a, a sliver of the Aaron Judge cost, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else pay Aaron Judge $300 million if I was certain that the allocation of the funds would redo the way the Yankees work. That's the problem, though. I'm not sure they would redo the way they work and become Astros and Braves-like. Paul, if I they want would, that guy to be a Yankee. I would be okay. I want that guy to stay a Yankee. For my interest in baseball, I want Aaron Judge, who's been a Yankee, to continue being a Yankee. I think it's good for baseball and it's good for the Yankees. I think it is too. But four years from now, when he's slipping, I wouldn't mind him being a giant. I get, I get some <laughs> yeah. of that. Are you guys ready for the most out-of-context YouTube chat response so far of the day? Sure. In our fun. YouTube chat? We, we so rarely go to the interaction from those watching and, and listening. But I have to now because the chat today has been full of talk about Jim Ursay, Jeff Saturday, the Colts, some Titans yeah. talking there also, Jerry Jones. And then out of nowhere, um, we get this from Kevin Scott. Kevin! On YouTube. Hey, just a thought. Why don't you guys, and don't defend yourselves, <laughs> but go do your research from the last 40 to 50 years. We've always had bad games. What's wrong with you all? It's a broken record. I have no idea what he's talking oh, college about football. or who he's talking to. College football games. Well, that was me saying Georgia, no, Tennessee this, was a bad. This was posted half. an hour and 15 minutes ago. Oh, so he's talking, I guess he's talking NFL. Well, uh, top to bottom, Here, we haven't had uh, again, great depth in the NFL. Just to show you how out of context this is, this is the chat before this. Okay. Okay, you ready? I'll read you the three previous posts. Can you ask McLean why Rick Smith hasn't gotten a sniff in another GM opportunity? He seems awfully high on Ballard. Then followed by Tony, who says Rick Smith, former Texans GM, with propensity to hit on first-round picks. Then Dylan says, uh, Dylan Morris, Case Keenum, I think, back up. And then Kevin Scott with the, hey, just a thought. Why don't you guys and don't defend yourselves? Then I responded with, Kevin, what team are you talking about? And then it goes right back to talk about the show. Hour and 15 minutes ago would have been... Paul chiming in at the end of the Ursay discussion about the AFC. 
Yeah, that I'm not and, fired up about. Yes. And we've always had bad games. What's wrong with you all? It's a broken record. Well, Eight exclamation points. There, there have record, been though. there have it's been bad good. games. I don't know if the so you're if, talking about if, the NFL bad games we discussed. Yes, maybe. an hour okay. and fifteen minutes ago. And and had had that not been a, um, I don't think it would be a big topic had it not be not been for even when the the top teams are winning, the scoring is down. You know, it's a it's a slop fest. Well, look, I'll reiterate and- my thing. I love a close game more than anything. That's my number one yeah. criteria for being entertained. But I didn't find, uh, and I was sitting there at Arrowhead, I didn't find Chiefs-Titans to be entertaining a three-point overtime game. It wasn't... Well, that was far more entertaining than than our typical low-scoring games. Patrick Mahomes threw for 450 yards in this game. He, he set records. Yes. In this game, he was three, too. three attempts away from setting the all-time record for attempts in a game. It but, was uh, but I'm saying far more when you get a 2017 a game overtime elsewhere. game in which one team cannot has such a deficiency that they can't throw a ball to a wide receiver, that takes out some of the entertainment value of the of the tension of the close game to me. It's not about having bad games. I mean, he's right. Of course you have yeah. bad games every year. It's the lack of great games. And not just the lack of That's great games. Put. It's the lack of primetime games we look forward to all offseason drastically under-delivering. And it goes back to me to the stars of this league, for the most part, at quarterback, have let us down this year. Outside of Josh Allen, who's now possibly hurt, Patrick Mahomes... Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, go through the celebrity quarterbacks in the NFL that are down this year. Their teams are down. It's really just that simple. I don't think it's some epidemic of NFL football that's going to last for more than this season. They're going to bounce back fine. But, of course, to the listener who says, well, we've always had bad – well, yes, there's always bad games. 2022, to me, the story is a lack of truly great games with good teams – in primetime windows where America's watching. There have been compelling games in every time slot on regional TV across America that you can point to and you can look at and say, okay, this was a very compelling game. Um, Falcons-Panthers a couple weeks ago was terrific television if you're watching Red Zone at noon you get between that on those Thursday two teams. This week, yeah. yeah, I mean, tee it up. I and mean, even that's what this, you're going to get. Even this- but point being, no one, can, not everyone is watching Falcons-Panthers. I'm talking about that late afternoon game on national TV, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and Al Michaels wanting to end his career and maybe his life while watching <laughs> Thursday night football and calling these games in his voice displaying that. And even this Mahomes game with the 446 yards, 43 completions on 68 attempts, I mean, the average there is 10.4. The Titans did very well keeping him inside. I kept wondering, like, isn't he going to find something over the top somewhere here? And the Titans, a good defense, wouldn't let him. They forced him. I mean, he had a great run on a third and 16 that kept the crucial drive going. But in terms of the Patrick Mahomes that we watch on TV on a regular basis making big plays, this was more of a dinky-dunky game by Chiefs standards. Yeah. which isn't the excitement that you come to expect from Patrick Mahomes, right? It wasn't electric Patrick Mahomes. It was overdose of Patrick Mahomes. But he still had an MVP moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that No, that he won the game. To, he did what he had to do. Was 
perfect. But he also got the three chances at the um, at the two point conversion. The call against Josh Kalou being uh, ridiculous when Travis Travis Kelsey rips his helmet off. There were officiating moments. I'm sure you guys covered. Yeah, I mean, it was that were questionable at at best, which taint. A, That's the other thing about the league game. this year too, Chad. There have been some officiating blunders week yeah. to week that you're just it's just what, a weekly story. Yeah. We we didn't even get into this, but Jerome Boger. Oh. Calling a penalty on the Seattle Mariners <laughs> during the Seahawks game. That was a tribute to Hutton. It was peak Bozier. <laughs> they call it against Griff? It was peak Bozier. Griff against Griff or Buner? We got a holding on Jay Buner. Uh, Edgar Martinez now on the uh, offsides. <laughs> have I mean, they come on? They should have Bozier uh, just say, um, the only we thing. have a penalty, but I, my speaking rights have been taken away from me. So uh, here's the umpire. I'm checking real quick. I, the only thing that would make this Colts Raiders game more awful if is he's if the he's guy. the guy this week. Oh, I don't know if they've released the assignments yet. They yeah, they're do usually out on Monday. Well, so, a lot of press releases come out on Monday from the teams that have. We'll, we'll search that. That that could be. It could also be so bad it's good. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean he's wildly entertaining as long as he's not influencing the game that you are. Uh, <laughs> Have a stake in or are trying guess, to yeah. endure. Uh, hit us up with your comments. You can join us in the chat. doesn't matter what you type join in Join Chad there. in the chat. It could be just random. Just throw it in there. Chad will find it. I get lonely in there sometimes. <laughs> uh, when we come back, Kiffin versus Saban this week in the SEC and the magnitude of the result uh, paired with what LSU could do by clinching their spot in the SEC title game. Georgia can do the same. And we'll look at the scenarios for the college football playoff as well before the hour is up on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Been a fun show. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Eddie George, I was with him last night, guys. They, he was thrilled to see the weather for Ohio State Northwestern. I did bring that up about the Northwestern 
team. Why was he thrilled with it? He just he said it brought back great memories of terrible weather where twenty one to seven games at Ryan Field. Well, I told him I said, well, instead of you know twenty eight carries, you were going to get thirty (laughs) four. You know, Uh, he's like, man, I, I just I love those tough weather games. He's like, I, I would, I would appreciate a little rain if I'm a, a, a running back. I said, what about the wind? He goes, well, it depends. Can your quarterback get the snap because no one goes goes under center anymore? And apparently, like, there were times, and Ryan Day admitted this, that there were times on the snap where he wasn't sure if C.J. Stroud was going to get the football directly to him or not, based on the wind. Paul, we talked about this, um, but the Northwestern player, I'm watching that game. It was seven to seven, second quarter. The wind was terrible from the start. Then the rain came in the second quarter. And during a TV timeout, the Northwestern players got around and it looked like uh, jump around at a Wisconsin game with House of Pain. They just started going nuts because the rain was getting worse. And they knew that was their chance to win. I'm thinking that is... They were cheering. Nothing more Big Ten than Northwestern getting Doing the rain dance. Because the rain weather's got... The, the wind and rain got even worse on them. And uh, then they lost by two touchdowns. Yeah, but it was... I mean, it was a... You want to talk about a boring game. 21-7. Rough. Um, Will it help score Has Northwestern Ohio State won a game and in this country this year? No, they won in Dublin against Nebraska, and they've lost. They've since lost to teams like Southern Illinois, who's not FBS, to Miami of Ohio. Wow! And they're winless in the Big Ten. They're one and eight on the season now. So Nebraska after Saturday is feeling especially good about that. Well, Nebraska's at least won multiple games since <laughs> then, even losing to them. Yeah, Hunt, take a quick look at this because Davey's about to retweet this from Outkick360. Okay. This is mind-blowing. BuzzFeed is showing the People magazine's sexiest men alive when they won versus today. This is a picture of Tom Cruise oh. in 1990 versus Tom Cruise now. And follow you find us, them equally attractive Follow in us both. at Outkick360 and give us some interaction on How this also. close they are. On our Twitter feed. It's the same person. He's yeah. having work done, clearly. It's incredible. Well, it's though. not the same person. One of them has dark hair and one of them has gray hair. Okay, so really one have, is, one is age, not, but you're looking at the facial features, and it's pretty much well, he's spot looking on. very closely at the facial features. You know that. Do yeah. you want to see? Well, uh, some of the others. I mean, uh, well, an example: Jude Law in 2004 to Jude Law now. I've been going through these. <laughs> it is a drastic difference. The funniest not the one, world's sexiest women, right. mind you. I've the, been scanning the, the world's sexiest one is, man. Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves won in 1994 versus now, and they, everybody's saying he wears the same thing <laughs> nonstop. Yeah, but Keanu Reeves, I mean, what? Yeah, he dresses that, like Steve Jobs. How old Jobs. was he in 94? Go to look. We're gonna we're gonna steal the BuzzFeed co- uh, the the content here, but we're gonna start Chad retweeting has found these. his column this week. If you're listening or watching right now. We're going to start retweeting all of these. I am blown away by the changes in some of these men and then how yeah. some just stay the same. Like Matthew McConaughey likes his women. Just all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey also on here, by the way. How's he looking? Brad Pitt in 1995 versus Brad Pitt now is a lot different. Denzel Washington, 96 versus now. Just tell us, different or the same? McConaughey, I'll let you judge. Mcconaughey no, in 2005 versus close. now. It's very close. And they chose a photo where he's all wearing right, glasses right, to make him different. Right. 2005, yeah. You could find the same picture of him now wearing the same exact stuff. Ryan Reynolds looks very similar, way, except he's got gray in his beard. Matthew McConaughey. And he didn't have a beard in 2010. Once in on the Commanders. Yeah. Great tie-in. Great tie-in. Matthew McConaughey, uh, Jay-Z, and Jeff Bezos had lunch for two and a half hours, or dinner. I saw they were photographed together. 
for over a two or three hour dinner in L.A. last night and as part of a proposed commanders. Never mind the commanders. Group. What's going on with the senators? There you go. Keanu Reeves. No, didn't you say uh, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds is uh, going from Wrexham to the NHL. He is serious about buying the Ottawa Senators, but he needs an investor. Uh, he said he's currently looking for an investor. And his, his quote, I'm trying to find if I sent it to you guys or not. Um, his quote is pretty on, on, on brand for Ryan so Reynolds. So he needs a billionaire? Is that what he's saying? Or he needs just someone else to join him? How in much is this is from front office sports. Um, he was on Jimmy Fallon. And he says he's actively trying to buy the Ottawa Senators while actively seeking a partner. He says this is a fancy way of saying I need a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy okay. in order to buy the team. All right, I'm on that. Like celebrity net worth. What do we think Ryan Reynolds? Well, net Ryan worth Reynolds is? and Rob McElhaney together can buy Wrexham and be the sole owners. Yeah. But I feel Wrexham like ain't worth a lot. even with that, they've got corporate sponsors because of their sponsors yeah. on their jerseys TikTok with TikTok and, and others. Uh, uh, Ryan company. Reynolds is going to need money. What do you to think his, his net worth is estimated? I, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll guess and say 300 million. I was going to say right around that. So I'll go 350. Half that 150, according to celebrity net worth. Wow. Van Wilder. I mean, that is not, uh, not as profitable as NHL ownership money. To, to be promoted. A couple two, levels. Two levels. And then can then be worth be a little bit more rich. money. Yes. Also, I mean. And he's in a few more Deadpool movies also to I mean, help. Second Deadpool movie. It also mo- tells you the value so of certain franchises. Like Ryan Reynolds can say, hey, I want to be an owner of a, an NHL franchise where his net worth is 150 And look, that's awesome. But it takes a certain level yeah. For front office sports to write that you need story, a sugar mama. <laughs> for the NFL though, oh, right? right. Yeah. And they're writing this off of his late night talk show, you know, appearance. appearance. But again, like if if I, if someone said, "Hey, I I want in on the uh, the Washington Commanders," I think you have to. I mean, you need a Jeff Bezos level already. Yeah, what, what the is... thing to do. I mean, the best investment really is they're on to it. If you buy a fifth level soccer club and spend a couple of years and some good money getting it up, if you ever made it to, to the second level, never mind the first level, uh, never mind the EPL, the, the net worth of that thing would explode. And if you got the EPL, whew. So uh, Matthew McConaughey's net worth is right around Ryan Reynolds, 160. Is that it? 160 for I would have, I would have said McConaughey uh, would have been way more than What Ryan do you think Reynolds. Jay-Z's net worth is? Oh, more I know. Like He's worth over a billion. S- I would have said 750. He's a billionaire. 1.3 billion. Wow. Yeah. So These are over-unders that we LeBron. could bet all day. Matthew McConaughey, if, if Jeff Bezos has the top-level suite at the new commander's facility yes. with his office, then Jay-Z has his own entire wing on the fourth floor, not the fifth, with his net worth. Matthew McConaughey gets a storage he's closet like somewhere the, yeah, with his money. PR office he just with wants the, the sideline spot. He's going to be the, what is he, a te- the minister of culture is his title with Texas yes. football? Just give him a spot on the sideline. That's side what line. he wants to do. He just wants to walk around and hang out with the players. And So this weekend, guys. Say funny stuff. The yeah. SEC uh, standings and the scenarios here. LSU and Georgia could be guaranteed to be our matchup in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. As crazy as that sounds, 
uh, given the fact of the expectation for LSU, period. But also, like, just knowing the back and forth of Ole Miss, Alabama, uh, Mississippi State, now LSU, it doesn't feel like it should be determined by this weekend, right? But it can. So if, if LSU wins and Alabama um, falls to Ole Miss, if I'm getting this right, um, no, if, if Alabama beats Ole Miss, excuse me, if the Crimson Tide beat Ole Miss, LSU's locked in. With LSU two remaining games victories still? over both of them. And they'd have two games left? Yep. <clears throat> That's an early clinching scenario for uh, the Big Bad Conference. Yeah, and then Georgia. Trey wrote about this at OutKick this, this morning or yesterday one. Yeah, in Georgia, if they beat Mississippi State, they're in. If they lose. Even they if can, they were to lose to Kentucky, they would still be in yeah. the, the next week. And they've got Georgia Tech to close out the seasons. They only have two conference games left where a Tennessee, for example, has three conference games left. They have no more non-conference or, or bye weeks. The LSU story to me is the most – it's not the most improbable in the conference. The most improbable in the conference is A&M falling flat on their face, I think, more than anything else. Preseason sixth in the country for that to happen. But LSU's rise has been remarkable. From where they started to where they are now, uh, it's, it's incredible. So LSU Makes them he, look smart for they, what they did. They need to beat Arkansas on Saturday, um, and then they'll need Alabama to beat Ole Miss. But here's LSU – staring straight at the the SEC championship game. Again, to match up against Georgia, um, this week I think LSU is only like a three-point favorite. But still, I'm not betting against them again. Uh, Lane Kiffin going head-to-head against Saban this week. And Kiffin said that he sent a text to Feinbaum or he Just heard Feinbaum, Feinbaum, yeah. he heard Feinbaum's uh, comments on Saban and I think he's playing off of Saban's rat poison uh, discussion, but he says that he, Feinbaum is giving Saban goat fuel uh, for the comments about how... And here, here's, here's uh, Kiffin on this. I texted Feinbaum on the way over here when I saw his quotes, and like he normally does, he says that Nick Saban dynasty is over and all that, and every time he says that, which I tell him, all he does is I call it goat fuel, opposite of rat poisoning. You're just giving him goat fuel. Which for him, that works. And he goes and proves him wrong every time. So appreciate that, Paul, saying that right after the game. I'm sure he was, uh, I'm sure that quote was on his desk Sunday morning. And he's not wrong. And no. I do think that Alabama's going to go in there and win on, on Saturday against Ole Miss. And it, you go from one week, if you are a no loss or one loss team trying to get your way into the college football playoff, you go from rooting against Alabama, against LSU to now this week rooting for Alabama to beat Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss is still sitting there with only one loss. So right. they could be the proverbial turd in the punch bowl for a lot of teams if they beat Alabama and sit there with one loss in the SEC West at season's end. Even with not going, just like a Tennessee, who could go 11-1 and and not have to play in the SEC championship that's going to be a problem for some teams. I did not uh, give myself a chance to thank LSU Thank you. Putting out Alabama. Beautiful. What a wonderful college football season for me. Just knowing that Alabama is not going to be in the Final Four. That people have no choice but to shut up and move on and root for Kentucky basketball. It's beautiful. <laughs> Kentucky basketball got off to a nice start last night against Howard. Did you guys watch any college basketball last night? No. I did not. I watched a little of the Tennessee game. I watched a little bit of Vanderbilt and Memphis. 
I saw that final was score. That? Was that closer? or no. Okay, so it wasn't close. No. It was never really I, within single digits. I talked to a buddy of ours who went, and I asked him how it was. He goes, well, it was a blowout. They got, you know, they got their butts kicked. And then I saw the final score. I'm like, doesn't look like they did. They were down, I want to say, 28 to 11. Okay. In the first half. And then Vandy went on like a 12 to 2 or 12 to 4 run. And it was like a 10 or 11 point game at halftime. And it was between 9 and 14 points the entire second half. And they won by what, 10 or 11? I think Memphis won by. How over good Vanderbilt. do you think Memphis is? And not that that's the greatest barometer. I don't know. They're going to be talented again, but it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with all these teams right now. We get the Champions Classic tonight. Davies, our resident uh, Tennessee football fan, Duke basketball fan. So Paul's making fun of the Alabama football and uh, Kentucky basketball fan. Davies, Duke basketball, Tennessee football. So I'm guessing Duke is in the Champions Classic, although I I don't know that. I'm just throwing darts on the wall and thinking Duke's probably going to be there. What's your excuse for rooting for Duke? He's just a Duke fan. That's your ACC team. Why do you have an ACC team? <laughs> yeah, you're. Well, I mean, no, we didn't watch SEC basketball growing up. It wasn't on TV. Those weren't the marquee matchups, and it was just kind of a. I mean, we didn't go to do many you, games. Do you guys remember when? <laughs> I love this. I used to churn my own butter outside in my backyard as a child. Barefoot in the snow. Uh, when NBC also carried uh, Notre Dame basketball. No. I was talking about this with a buddy, and they thought I was making it up. I'm, I promise we could search. I'm looking it. at Colin. Tom. Tom Hammond was the guy who then did JP like the Jefferson Pilot games for a while, but Tom Hammond called Notre Dame basketball on TV, and I swear to you, there was a time. I maybe I there was, I had some sort of weird uh, satellite system in, in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where I grew up, and this is what I was seeing. But on NBC. <laughs> I would watch like Notre Dame and Pitt on late Saturday afternoons on NBC basketball, not just football. Looking at Colin, our resident Notre Dame fan. Colin saying he doesn't He's remember. He's got a sour face. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find shaking this. Shaking his head. I this swear like, to you. I, what maybe era? it was like it was. There was on. It was on NBC. This would have been '90s. Colin saying so early it's while 90s. the NBC, NBC NBA package is happening. Yes. So that was on Sundays. Right. They always had the games on Sundays. This was like a late Saturday afternoon basketball game. I go ahead, Colin. I wish I remember this because I'm sure I watched it. I don't recall that at, at all. Big though, East was I'll, on. I just remember ESPN. watching the Orlando Magic Battle Chicago Bulls with Bob Costas on play by play. I'm just now and hearing searching. the John Tesh theme. I, I think we'll get some feedback on this. That'll Notre be Dame basketball on NBC 1990s is what I've searched. We'll see if we yeah, find we'll it. see how that goes. College basketball on NBC Sports Wikipedia entry. So, Chad, the so let's hypothetical here. If everything's locked in for the SEC championship, and we know it's Georgia LSU after this weekend, that's great news for Tennessee, right? Yeah. I mean, everything's locked in. You've got the rest of the programs. While they're not going to be saying this, you start playing younger players. You're trying to develop certain guys. Can't slip. You're going to keep guys happy who may transfer, and you don't want them to transfer. Um. I think that's great for Tennessee moving forward over the next three. Or what will be the next two? I really believe, in just looking at 
And now we're down to the wire where there's possibilities, but there's not a ton of things to watch every weekend yeah, in terms really. of the playoff. We've really whittled it down to the nitty-gritty with these teams. Tennessee just has to avoid the landmine in a game. They're, they're going to be heavily they're, – they're three-touchdown favorite this weekend at home against Missouri. The biggest favorite in the SEC this weekend. They're probably going to be a two-plus touchdown favorite at South Carolina the following week. And they finish with Vandy. They're going to be a huge favorite. Uh, it's on the road, but it'll be you know a de facto home game for Tennessee against Vanderbilt to close out the season. Uh, they got to avoid the landmine, and most every projection I see has them around 70% plus to make the playoff if they just went out. So the, the TCU is the problem. They need to lose, and they're a seven-point underdog this weekend at Texas. A one-loss Pac-12 team would have an argument. Um, it helps if it's Oregon because the one common opponent will be Georgia. Yep. And they lost way worse. 49-3, and Tennessee lost 27-13 on a true road game. In San, that, that was a neutral site game. Neutral. So Neutral's being generous, too, because it was in Atlanta. But, yeah. Right. I'm in Atlanta compared to Oregon. As compared <laughs> I'll, I'll, to, I'll like, keep somewhere it, neutral is, in the middle of the country. This is true in sports with anyone who has a very, you know, highly touted, much-anticipated matchup where you fall on your face and you lose that game, you can't lose that game twice. Tennessee has to get back to playing Tennessee offense. Saturday morning at 11 a.m., it needs to start right then. There cannot be a hangover. You don't need to go into another couple of quarters where you're not clicking on the passing offense, where your quarterback's not seeing things properly, where you're getting sacked, where you're having pre-snap penalties. you got to cut it out quickly and not allow that to bleed in to another game where you end up in a dogfight, and the longer the game is close, the more the underdog gets confident. You just can't allow that to happen if you're a team like Tennessee. I'd say the same for Ohio State, who I thought played poorly against Northwestern. In a win, you can't allow that to bleed over. And I don't think it will. I, I Thinking about the, the weather situation there, I do think that played a massive factor in everything against Northwestern. But, I mean, they are, what, two weeks away now from Michigan. So Michigan has this week, is it Nebraska? They're at Nebraska, I believe. Maybe they're hosting Nebraska. They play Nebraska. I do know that. I'm not sure where that game is. I'll find it right now. It is home against Nebraska. Okay, so it's in Ann Arbor. And they're coming off They'll their 52 They'll get to share that tunnel. Win. Share that tunnel Hey, together. by the way, you know where there's one tunnel? Arrowhead Stadium. Really? One tunnel. That well, seems like that wouldn't... There's one tunnel, but the Chiefs have a locker room entrance on the sideline. So they don't, I, they they don't absolutely have, have their. They have a separate entrance on their sideline. So there's no problems there. The only thing they do is run out of the tunnel for pregame festivities with the horse leading the way. Yeah, it came out of the same tunnel. Yeah, yeah. they have, they have uh, a choreographed pregame show, but... Uh, halftime and postgame, they're straight down and then they're straight into their locker room. Uh, and I know that just simply because of having to set up the Titans postgame locker room. So, Hutton, to answer your question, Michigan hosts Nebraska and then they will play Illinois okay. both games. So, Ohio home. State has Indiana and then? At Maryland. Okay. Maryland 6-3, and three, Illinois 7-2. and two. I still don't think either one of those teams are a real threat. No. To Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, by the way, the two of the guys who attacked the Michigan player from Michigan State, they have lawyered up, and their lawyer issued a statement. 
about the other guy. Yeah, and it's ridiculous, the statement, the, quite frankly. The gist but of it's which, what, I mean, what do you expect the lawyer that's defending them? Because he has to right. say in the statement, we're not claiming that our clients didn't do something wrong. I mean, it's on video. But we're saying here's the situation. They were swung on by this guy first. This They claim the guy had a helmet. And I'm thinking the dude that was on the ground was in street clothes. He had no pads on. He yeah. was injured. Where did he get the helmet? Did he take the helmet from the Michigan sideline and just start wielding it like William Wallace and Braveheart? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know where he got where the you're helmet. Like, uh, hopefully, there, I mean, there is camera. Hopefully, there's not enough audio to determine what he said. That lawyer first. needs to be well paid because that is a <laughs> loser of a case. Coming up, we'll take a, a glance at what we expect to see for the college football playoff rankings, which will be announced tonight. And uh, who could be the big winner whenever we're coming back in uh, tomorrow to review what the committee is telling us. That's next now kick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As crazy as it may sound, the biggest winner tonight in the college football playoff rankings that will be released could be Tennessee, Chad. Outkick 360 rolls on. And we were discussing yesterday where we thought fifth with TCU getting fourth, but CBS Sports has them projected at three, not even four. Yeah, three, three ahead of – they've got uh, Georgia one, Ohio State two, which I think is easy to slot those two, one and two. And then Tennessee three, Michigan four, TCU five. So Tennessee still ahead of a of a undefeated Michigan team. Based on what they've done, yeah, Tennessee belongs ahead of Michigan, but Tennessee's got a loss. Michigan right. does not. So and TCU would also be well, they would move up two spots. They were seventh last week. Moving up two spots puts them again. They saw last week the path to get in. Just keep winning. And they continue to do that. They go in the fourth quarter and pull comebacks and win. And if they do that, I think they're getting in. The only thing that would surprise me about Tennessee is if they're not four or five. Anything else would surprise me. Three would yeah, surprise me. Yeah. Six or seven would surprise me. For I, sure. They're going to be four or five. I had them Saturday night after all the games were over at five with TCU ahead of them at four. I'm also someone who believes that TCU was slighted last week. So I'm giving them more points for that. But if you're the committee, you had them behind a one-loss Bama team a week ago. You can't now say, argue that they're, after a home win over Texas Tech, deserving of a spot ahead of one-loss Tennessee if they weren't deserving of that a week ago against Bama. For that reason, I'm going to say Hutton, the most likely spot for Tennessee is four with TCU I, at five. I'm expecting four. Um, I'm now expecting four. Four... Yeah, it sounds right. Every week, though, as long as TCU keeps winning, until, and again, we're, we're close to getting Ohio State-Michigan, and 
this is under the assumption that both Ohio State and Michigan also continue to win. This the Tuesday evenings in you know Knoxville and across Tennessee and uh, Vols country will be you know you're you're nervous a bit, a little fraught with pain over the next two weeks if you're fourth. And I'm 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 saying they they deserve to be if they're there. They're they're one of the four best teams in the country, but TCU keeps winning and eventually doesn't the committee come in and say, all right, is this the week they're getting the notch up? Because there's no style points or whatever Tennessee's doing to Vandy or Kentucky or Missouri. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And again, like we, either Ohio State or Michigan's going to fall out. TCU's going to get in either way if they keep winning. And so will Tennessee. So it really doesn't yeah, matter. I, it's going to work itself out. I, I am a strong believer that if Tennessee just goes 3-0 and down the stretch, they're going to work their way into the playoff. But if things don't break their way with one of these one-loss teams, you better well believe that a close, close win over Missouri, South Carolina, or Vandy in a scare will affect Tennessee negatively with the college football playoff committee. The other thing... They, they, could, they could use some style points, especially this weekend. There's no reason they should be close with any of those Especially teams. this weekend right. at home on senior... There was no excuse for George to be close with Missouri, too. Bad performances happen. Can't happen for Tennessee this weekend. They need to come out and put up 45-50 on this Missouri team and then show the committee once again, hey, this offense is not going to taper off. That was a one-game thing. Also, I'm keeping an eye on Oregon, USC, UCLA, that three-pack, and then where is LSU now? Who Does LSU move? Because they were 10th. How far does LSU move forward and are they leap? Are, are they going to leapfrog any of those three from the Pac-12? I'm keeping my eye on that from the viewpoint of the committee, because eventually one of those three, even if LSU's ahead of them tonight, they're going to leap LSU, right? Yeah. And then we're going to the SEC championship game where craziness has to happen, including LSU over Georgia, and then there's a massive debate on championship weekend about who's getting in and who's not. But again, that's why we love this time of year and why we also advocate for the 12 team playoff right now. Which would be a good one based on uh, everything we've looked at. It can't get here soon enough. I mean, this, this cannot happen. So the other thing needs to get here quicker, the conference realignment. I'm going to be so sick and tired of talking about, Oh, well, when Texas and Oklahoma get, just get to the sec. If you're moving to the Big 12, let's get to the Big 12. Let's get to the Big Pay 10. Pay the buyouts. USC, UCLA, let's get to the Big 10. Let's do this. I don't Money want is no object. This, this weird purgatory in your current conference is stressful on me. Yeah, what are these reason. boosters? The boosters would pay for the buyout of their coach to leave, to fail, but not to leave and go to the SEC two years early, Jack, to your point. Back at it tomorrow. We'll have where they draw the line. More football we'll discussion draw the line there. on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box. Kindly lock your locks. <laughs>